Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so your participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your Front Range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is Snooze Flip? Snooze Flip is one of the most universal mattresses on the planet. You can customize your sleep experience to fit your needs. One side is soft, one side is firm, and you can flip it to the side that fits your body best. The cover is also reversible, with one side up to 5 degrees cooler and cozy warm on the other side. This zippable cover makes the Snooze Flip a true 4-in-1 mattress. Don't stress through shopping hundreds of beds online. Snooze Flip has all the features in one, and Snooze will ship it straight to your door. The mattress expands faster than most. You can be sleeping on your new mattress on the same day as delivery. There's a YouTube video of us unpacking Ali and RK's mattress in the bar. Check it out. When you are a part of Snooze Sleep, you are a part of a community, just like the DNVR community. No exaggeration, a community of go-getters, hustlers, athletes, entrepreneurs, the people who need to energize their bodies so they can wake up feeling amazing the next day and conquer their biggest dreams and goals. Finally, Snooze Sleep is locally based. We know how much you love supporting our local partners. The thing is, Snooze is made by Colorado, designed for the world. You can all take advantage of a new Snooze Flip mattress that gets delivered straight to your door, and Snooze Sleep is hooking you up. Use the code DNVR and receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off with an adjustable base. That's $500 worth of savings on a queen mattress with an adjustable base. The dual split king savings are up to $1,000 with an adjustable base. $1,000. Guys, head to snoozesleep.com and grab your Snooze Flip mattress today. That's snoozesleep.com. And again, make sure you're using the code DNVR for the big time savings. And, you, and get it shipped straight to your door. Bam, 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 bam. This is the DNVR Draft Pod presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. I'm struggling to read, but it's early in the morning. Andre Simone is here. Jake Schwanitz is here. We're talking college football playoff, power rankings, top 10, all kinds of stuff. This is the best time of the year. Gentlemen, how's it going? Yo, yo, yo. Go, doing great. Um, so we got two pods this week, which is fun. And uh, the landscape is ever changing because, as you mentioned, we got new rankings, some devastating injuries that kind of uh, gave me gave me some pause on some of my updated rankings. Um, maybe the most wide open Heisman race we've ever had. These college football rankings are wide open. We got to talk about some coaches. Now Vaughn has been traded, and the Broncos have five top 100 picks things are heating up and things are uh 
you know, it's a, it's a dynamic world for us on the draft pod. And that's why it's a joy to get together and get into all this. Um, and of course, you know, shout out to snooze mattress because that's why Henry isn't with us this early. Uh, no, I'm joking. He's he's in Boulder working hard. So so shouts to that guy. He'll be back for another bonus pod where we get to get into more Broncos right now, though. The state of college football, the state of this draft class, so much to get into. But first of all, the committee unleashed the rankings. Thoughts, fellas. Justin, you're a guy who's tapped in. You've been covering this stuff for like a quarter of your life now. Uh, what do you think of these first rankings? And I guess the interesting part was kind of how the committee explained it away. Because uh, outside of the first team, you could really have picked like 10 teams, uh, two through four. And they ended up going with uh, Bama at two, Michigan State at three, and Oregon at four with Ohio State, Cincy just out at five and six. What would you think? I don't, there's not a path to the playoff for the G5. We just have to accept it now. I mean, if Cincy can't get in after running the table again with a top 10 road win at Notre Dame, there's, there's just no path to the playoff for them, at least until they get into the Big 12. And I, I get it. I get the difference in schedule and it's a subjective process. And it was kind of interesting, like you said, how they explained it all. And that's really where the committee stands. They're like, yeah, they beat Notre Dame. Who else have they beat? Yeah. It's just unfortunate. I think it's pretty disheartening to see these rankings if you're 95% of college football fans across the country. But I also think if we're talking about like the most, the best four teams in the country right now in terms of who has the most talent, since he's probably five right now for me, but mm-hmm. it, it just sucks to see them out of the rankings. I have them in mind just on principle, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of disheartened a little bit, but also exciting to see a couple of new teams there in the top five. Where are you at, Jake? Yeah, I'm on the same side. It is pretty disappointing to see that the committee just refuses to acknowledge these good football teams just because they play in a conference that isn't one that they like. Um, in that, uh, what would you call it, press conference, I guess, yesterday? Um, yeah. Our guy Hank sent us some notes because uh, he was able to dig in a lot more. And he made it clear that the committee was all about these players. Having Ken, um, Kenneth Walker on Michigan State is the reason why they're number three. Uh, the Bearcats have Desmond Ritter, man. He's been one of like the college football yeah. staple players over the past few years, and they're just going to throw that out. Um, I mean, it's not Cincy's fault that Indiana and UCF aren't very good when, you know, before the season, those looked like some you know, highlighted games on their schedule. So it just sucks to see, man. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think the argument for Cincy would be, well, they have potentially three first-rounders, you know, with Gardner at cornerback, who we've talked about as maybe even in contention for a cornerback one in a a pretty loaded class. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, four or five guys go top 20 or certainly round one in this year's cornerback class, one of the stronger groups. Then you have MJ Sanders. You could say the same thing about Gardner. He's in the mix. He wouldn't be edge one because you've got Thibodeau and some studs that we'll get into later. But, you know, he'll threaten for a first-round spot. He can compete with any edge on any of these top teams. And then Ritter, of course. The schedule hurts them, though, and it is disheartening because it feels right now that Cincy cannot go any higher than six. And it'd be so interesting to be in an alternate universe where the AAC is having a stronger year. You know, we remember 
three, four years ago, I think they had like four teams in the top 25. Could you have, you had uh, rules temple or rule might've left, but temple was still in the top 25. You had Memphis still doing big things. UCF obviously was a media darling. Um, and you know, South Florida was up there for a South while. South Florida Navy might be ranked on a like seven and two season once in a while. And of course, since he's been in the mix for a minute, it's just a down year for the conference. It sucks that they didn't catch Indiana last year, where they were the dog. I mean, Indiana was basically what Michigan State or Iowa are this year. You know, since he had that kind of win on their resume on top of um Notre Dame, we're talking about a completely different thing. But now you're eight no. Even with chaos, the way the committee has set this up, they've essentially said a two-loss SEC team, a two-loss Big Ten team that gets that extra win in a conference championship that they're going to value so much is just going to matter more. And those criterias are so interesting. You know, it's, it's record is the first criteria. But when there's just one or even two losses differentiating it, record kind of gets lost and you really get into head-to-head and quality wins. <sighs> it's uh, it's tough. And then, I mean, I don't know. It's it's interesting, their process, because I think they're, they're football guys doing this process similar to how we would tackle it. So I can respect that a lot. And these are a lot of like former ADs or current ADs. So these are some real power brokers in the sport who are still very connected and locked in. But Justin, that's maybe part of the problem is there's a little too much power five bias. And yet, I don't know, from a, from a football standpoint, when you look at Cincy's uh, schedule, maybe they have a point. I, it, it's a tough one to split, man. We mean We need some more chaos to settle this. What really irks me is just the lack of consistency And I do think it's good for interest in the sport, just in terms of, I mean, we're debating it, right? Like, everybody has something to say on the situation. They have one Pac-12 team in the rankings, so they clearly don't respect the Pac-12 all that much. How is Oregon at four, then? I just, I I don't understand that. (laughs) That's the one that really bugs me, that it was Oregon that got in over Cincinnati. I know that they have a win over Ohio State, Yes. And clearly they respect Ohio State too because you know they they didn't hold them back for the loss but I don't know it just it just seems like there's no path like we said for Cincinnati and that that's a bummer but I am very intrigued at least by these top 4 I think this would be a fun playoff if it shaked out this way but I don't know there is at least some consistency with how they're ranking Cincy, because you also see Oklahoma undefeated behind them, Wake Forest undefeated behind them. And, the, you know, that's undefeated with a Power 5 schedule and lots of Power 5 wins. But again, they're saying none of those wins really move the needle. Crazy to think that one game against Ohio State in September is going to swing this whole thing. But right now, that is where we stand. And it does come back to a top three criteria, which is head-to-head wins. Is it a right, hot take for the, me to say I wouldn't even put OU in the top 10? Oof. I, I, that's a bit hot for me. Their best, their best showings are not losing to Kansas State and not losing to Texas. They struggled with Tulane. They struggled with Kansas. I get I, they're undefeated, and the Caleb Williams hype is going to shake some things because they're going to close strong. Until they beat Oklahoma State, though, I would have them at like 
10 tops. Well, they got a big game against Baylor coming up uh, next weekend. That'll too. help too. Um, That'll help too. It's just, it's tough. I think with, in terms of the quarterback situation, it's almost like you have to really throw out everything before yes. Texas because yes. Spencer Rattler is no longer the starting quarterback. Um, yeah, if I could go back to Oregon real quick though. Um, one of the points Hank made in terms of, or, or the PAC 12 getting more credibility amongst the committee I made this earlier in years. These like ten thirty games that they've been playing, they played uh, Stanford at one thirty, lost in front of the entire nation, and apparently that doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, just more inconsistencies, I guess, with Oregon. It's it's weird, man. They have now this. They have stayed consistent in the past, though, where losses count less than quality wins. That's nothing new. That's the one where people complain about it. Well, we've seen that before. And like if if you want to complain about Bama being two, like maybe they should be below Michigan State, who's undefeated. I I could understand that argument, but the people acting like Bama shouldn't be in the top four because they have a loss is it's just silly. Their one loss is a top fifteen team on the road. They have a road win at Florida, which is better than just about anybody in the top ten can say. And they have six other wins of three plus scores. It's just like it, it's a wide sample size, and Bama and Georgia are the best teams. I, I could get behind putting Michigan State ahead of them just because they are undefeated. But like Dre said, having a loss, as long as you have enough quality wins, has never kept anybody from, from getting in. Well, and if you want to talk quality wins, look at what Bama did to number 16 and 17. Mississippi State, the Pirate, quietly has them playing really well. They, st- they stomped them. And, you know, you want to compare and contrast like uh, resumes with Cincy. You know, they treated Mississippi State the way Cincy treated Temple. And when we compare apples to apples, when you can, you know, when you can put the smackdown on a top fifth, top 20 team like that, um, it proves a point. I want to go back to Jake's point of, of Oklahoma or what you guys were both saying about Oklahoma. I do think this is what the committee allows they are kind of canceling the first half of the season with Oklahoma. They are kind of giving them a pass and saying, Hey, this is a second, this is a different team. Um, and that is where we get a little murky. That I don't like that at all. Murky. You no, play it, the games. Rattler was supposed to be a top NFL pick. It's not like it was, I mean, I get it. I get the logic behind it. They're a new team. Like it, it's not the same, but it's just like, all right, well then if you're a team like, Ohio State or or just trade just change quarterbacks and then your losses don't matter. Well, <laughs> we've had arguments like this before when we've gotten real close to selecting the final four and all of a sudden JT Barrett and uh you know Braxton Miller and JT Barrett are out and now you've got Cardell and you don't quite know and Cardell has to win a game. If not, you're feeling like, well, so what if Caleb Williams got got injured in the Pac-12 title and all of a sudden Rattler is back in and they just squeak by. Now, all of a sudden, do you treat them? Do you go back to, oh, well, now the resume in the first half of the season does matter because these are the Rattler Sooners, not the, right? Right? now It opens the door for a lot of that shit. You're right, 100%. And that's the problem with the subjectivity of it all. It's fun from a content-creating standpoint, and it gives us something to debate all year, and... I enjoy it. Like I enjoy doing this, I, especially with my friends that are really into it. Like I, I love diving into all this with you guys. It's just at the end of the year, if you're Cincinnati, 
you're sitting there going like, what else could we have done to prove that we're a quality team over the last two years? Ran the table, almost beat Georgia in a in a big time bowl game on New Year's. I mean, they had the national audience. You beat Notre Dame in front of a primetime audience. Like, I don't know. Just maybe it's just because I cover a G five team and I'm sitting here going like, well, most of the country doesn't matter anymore. But that's a that's it's not like it's anything new. You know, it's this is the the power five bias has always been there. Right. I think the so they're not going to ever take this. In- new account but with these g5 teams there there's a difference between like cincinnati this year and say i don't know coastal last year who just kind of yes. came up yes uh, there's a huge difference uh, in an opportunity or, or the frosty COVID, right? ucf team that was like a one-win program right. uh, two they didn't have any ranked right? wins yeah. that year like right there it's exactly. not that situation like, yeah, Cincinnati has had Luke Fickle for going on, what, four or five years now? Like, it's been a while. This is a program that has established well, itself and has really right. built itself up. This well, is Bill, not like some Cinderella story. Built by Brian Kelly, who's like the right. guy who yeah. revi- hasn't, Notre Dame wasn't this good since, uh, you know, the, the 90s. Um, Brian Kelly's that dude that brought him back, but Jones has gotten some major jobs. Fickle, I mean, like an Ohio State lifer comes in. And as we said, three first rounders. This defense, one of the top units in the country year in, year out. That quarterback has as many wins to his resume as just about anyone under center in the country. You could put him up there with any of the winningest pro, uh, quarterbacks in college football history. Now, you look at that list, it's a lot of G5 guys, right? It's a lot of Andy right. Dalton's and Alex Smith's. Case Keenum, and, yeah. yeah, right, right, exactly. That was when the Mountain West was good still. Don't be don't be slinging dirt on TCU <laughs> uh, Andy Dalton Well, he was and, sick. And also, I think, you know, I think the closest we've got to the G5 making it in is Boise back in the BCS days, and that's on them. They blew that yeah. one, right? And, and we've got Cincy here. And now, I think Cincy's right there if chaos ensues, here's what I'll say. I think outside of where Cincy's ranked, and the more we've talked this out, honestly, if I were if I were to like handicap the best teams in the country, you know, I, Oregon might be the one I have most most uh, right. of a qualms with, more so than Cincy at six. But then, how do you rank Oregon, Ohio State? You know, you're in a real bind with that head to head. So for now, you settle it. The one I have most qualms with is Notre Dame at 10, though, man. You want to talk about Cincy's schedule isn't great? Notre Dame's schedule on paper coming into the season might have looked good. It sucks now. I mean, uh, Virginia Tech, okay. Purdue's actually. Purdue is saving there. They're a good team. Yeah. They've got some talent. Um, But I mean, come on. Florida State in OT. Toledo is an abomination. Um, Wisconsin just sucks. Like you shouldn't get credit for Wisconsin this year. Same How are they in the Notre rankings Day. at all? Dude. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> North Frank Carolina, Force, you cowards. Joke. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, truly rank Air Force, you cowards. And then US, I mean, come on, USC is garbage, hot garbage. Yeah. So uh, Notre Dame at 10 is frankly, probably keeping Cincy afloat if quality wins are all that matter. Because if Notre Dame is ranked a little more honestly, like at 15 or 18, God, then it's an even harder path for the Bearcats. That's a good point. Since he needs Notre Dame to close out convincingly oh, and yes. they need some chaos in the Big Ten, which could happen. 
let's let's put a bow on it before we move into the to the QB stuff. My rankings as of right now would be Georgia one, Michigan State two, Alabama three, Cincinnati four, Oregon five, Ohio State six. Just because we brought up, you know, where do you put Oregon, yeah. Ohio State? I do think they're both top six teams, and I just think it, it's unfortunate since he isn't getting the benefit of the doubt with their resume. Can, would you guys put Michigan State over Alabama, or would you just let the eye test be what it is? Oh, uh, man, I think I'd just leave it as it is. I, it'd be really hard to convince me without seeing it on the field that Michigan State is better than Alabama. Well, and I don't um, think they are. I'm just, yeah. It, again, I'm just, I'm using undefeated to, for them and Cincinnati, but. Right. I mean, this is what makes me so upset about the committees. It kind of creates these cloudy situations like that. Um, personally, though, I'd put Cincinnati up to four and I just move Oregon and Ohio State down a peg. That's what I did, <sighs> other than the Michigan State move. I didn't realize this, but when you look at head to head, Michigan State has a five-point win to Indiana when Cincy was down in the first half and then stomped them by 14. And that happened recently. Um, I agree with you, though. I think Georgia-Michigan State is fair, though. You look at quality wins from State, it, it feels like there are more than there actually are. Um and they're about to get into a brutal slate of the schedule. So it's like, if uh-huh. they survive this, they're clearly a top three team. Right. Same as Oklahoma. You're basically like ranking them and putting a wait and see label on them. Um, and Ohio State's the same way. So, yeah, I might just close that out with Bama, Bama three. I'll put Oklahoma four for now. And um, honestly, I would rank Ohio State ahead of Oregon. I Again, it's the Oklahoma argument. I think you look at first half of the season versus second half of the season. They're not all that comparable. Anthony Brown sucks, too. Like, you think you're going to do college football a a disservice by putting Cincinnati in there, but then you're going to put an Oregon team without C.J. Verdell and Anthony Brown at court. They're going to get slaughtered, man. I think that's one you got to let it play out a couple more weeks. Yeah. I do think you have to give Oregon the head-to-head nod just for now, but totally. Especially if Ohio State, I mean, if Ohio State wins the Big Ten, they're getting in. Uh, yeah, Big sure. Ten winners get it. I think we've established they might have two. SEC Big Ten with two losses, the winners probably getting in. And yeah, if you have two one-loss teams, you you might have an all Big Ten SEC Final Four. Which is kind of I mean, if Cincy stumbles, in. that's fine. But Yeah, I don't know. I will say the committee they did just enough for Cincy to set it up to where if they went out and chaos ensues, they will be number four. Um, you know, I think putting them over Oklahoma and you know Wake Forest is they're not Clemson, obviously, but I think that's pretty substantial at this point putting them over those teams. It's a good point. We'll see how much they val- they'll value, you know, like a win over Baylor, a win over Oklahoma State, who are clearly good teams. I yes, mean, yes, yes, that would be much better than anything Oklahoma's done at this point. But I do think they're going to have to win Iowa convincingly. State. The committee's the kind... I, yeah, Justin, but these are football dudes. They're going to give know. a lot of credit to I a know. win against Mac. Yeah, You know, so that... But especially coming off of Iowa State's loss man. to a very mediocre West Virginia team. By the way, I, I'm, I won about... 30 bucks on that because the money line was so skewed. Mountaineers as road dogs, like just 
that's a that's a right. My accountant knows that's a write off. You know, you see Mountaineers <laughs> just pump away. Um, they, you know, we've got an algorithm in place where some of our savings gets activated into West Virginia as a as a home dog in the Big Twelve. Country I mean, roads automatic. take me home. Damn straight. They're literally built different out there, which I love. Um, actually, yeah, Ryan and I started reminiscing about Rich Rod and the good old days, so we talked ourselves way into West Virginia. Um, Steve Slayton, baby. Oh. God, no, just makes me think of that crazy 07 season where they should have had it like Pat White, they should have been in a national championship, and we got kind of robbed of of that as college football fans. What a year that was! Oh, what a it it got, dude. The aughts, we don't give credit, but the BCS got pretty wacky for a minute there, and honestly. This year's feeling a little BCSy. Right. Anything can happen, um, and I mean, it, it's a seamless transition. But I got to do it in a year like this in college football. That is this wide open. Justin can tell you. Last year alone, we may. I mean, at the time, that was the biggest bet of my life. Just raked it in because we were so certain of how the final four would play out coming into the college football uh, to the conference championships. This year, it'll be very interesting, but I think we will have some more uh, insights to go into. Also, if you go on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you will see that the odds for who will go at the number one pick have been uh, definitely heightened and modified. A lot more quarterbacks. Carson Strong's in there. Uh, it's getting fun. So get on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. victory lap if Carson Strong goes like top three. Ooh. That would be incredible. We always take victory laps, though, on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Really, like, nothing better. I just mentioned what a great resource it is. It's also a ton of fun to use Bet on Sports. They have some amazing offers. Now, new users bet $5, win $200, um, just like that. NFL market, you, you bet $5, you'll win 200 uh it's one of the best deals out there use code dnvr they will match your first deposit bonus up to a thousand dollars code dnvr um but yeah DraftKings sportsbook nothing better uh for sports fans like us who just can't get enough from all angles so download DraftKings sportsbook app now use that code dnvr must be 21 and older colorado only new customers only restrictions apply see draftkings.com Slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. Love it. Love DraftKings. Speaking of quarterbacks, though, since we just kind of brought up the quarterback power rank or, you know, who could go number one, Carson Strong, obviously Malik Willis. Let's go into our quarterback power rankings because it's been an interesting year. I mean, guys that we came into the season getting hype. I mean, Rattler, Sam Howell. Ugalele, like all of these people's stock have just tanked. A couple of other guys have really shot up. Yep. Um, the kid at Virginia, Brennan Armstrong, who I know Dre is excited to talk about, getting some hype. Matt Corral's getting some hype. We've got some G5 guys, Hayner, Willis, Carson Strong. So I'm excited to dive into all of it. Jake, putting you on the spot, who's number one in your power rankings and, and kind of what was your criteria for this week? Um, I honestly, it's a tough question to ask because, well, my number one is Kenny Pickett, um, you know, decent showing against Miami. He did have the two interceptions, uh, but threw the ball 55 times completed 39 for 519 yards. Um, I talked about him a 
quite a bit last year and it's exciting to see him really kind of elevate his play again this year. He's just a guy that you can tell he's experienced. He's been, I mean, he's like six years in college at this point. Um, he's kind of in that Baker, Joe Burrow-ish mode. Um, you know, his accuracy is probably his best trait. Um, he does have a, a plus arm though. I mean, he can really drive it on some throws. Um, also kind of like Baker, he's athletic, but he may think he's more athletic than he actually is. Um, so I'll keep him at one just because I think he's been the best college football quarterback so far this year. Um, it, it is kind of tough to say that after last week, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I think had we, uh, had we done this last week or like since we last did this, maybe a couple weeks ago, even a month ago, uh, Pickett is the biggest riser in the power rankings. He has really kind of affirmed himself and played with supreme confidence. Um, that Clemson game was a major eye opener. And yeah, the, the Baker um, comps will be out there. He is very Kirk Cousiny to me. I hate how his ball. It just feels like it floats in the air, man. Yeah. It, yeah. It's like his slows, his throws feel like they're in slow motion. It's He's pretty... got a bit of a like side spiral. Like the yeah. the, the ball doesn't point straight. It, it's a little more <laughs> of, a, of a side trajectory, but he he gets it where he needs it and uh, played in pit. I mean, they get tested in some weather. I did think he maybe. It was maybe like, oh, he he read his press clippings and was trying to do a bit too much against Miami. Right. Like he believed the hype in that one. I like the confidence, but yeah, just trying to do a little bit too much. Who's your number one then, Dre? I'm all in on Brennan Armstrong. Um, I was already starting to really get into him. He is the Virginia quarterback, um, an Ohio kid. Um, who's, uh, you know, uh, Bronco Mendenhall coming from BYU. That's become a really exciting offense. I mean, he's gone over 300 passing yards in all but one game, and that was a win at Miami um, this season where he threw for 268. He ran for over 90 yards in his last two games, and that's including uh, last week against now number 15-ranked BYU, who they had on the ropes until Armstrong gets injured, um, 94 rushing yards, 337 yards in the air. Um, I heard Trent Dilfer talking about him a couple weeks ago, and then, you know, it was the one game on late night last Saturday, and he was putting on an absolute show. He isn't talked about much because he's in Virginia, also shouts to the ACC, who's just dominating the quarterback conversation this season. Um, and yeah, he's, he's got arms for days. He maybe is a little too touch happy, but the more you watch him, the more you see, like when he needs zip, he can get it in there. He just needs to, um, be a little more meticulous and finding when to use touch, when to use zip. but his stats are otherworldly. We'll see if he plays again, because now it's undisclosed. He's listed as questionable from what I'm reading. It's, uh, it might it's be a done. ribbon. It's a rib yeah. injury, and he's probably done. That might help his stock because he's done enough this season. Um, I I just expect the hype to really, really pick up on him. And uh, yeah, he's just at an interesting point. If he stayed healthy, and they, you know, 
they were putting a 50 burger on BYU at half. They win that game. He might be the Heisman favorite right now. I will say BYU is extremely overrated. I couldn't um, believe they, they were at 15. They have been all year. Couldn't believe it. Um, faded him a couple of times, made made some money on that Boise State upset. But no, I mean, I think Armstrong's probably the guy that's risen the most this year in terms of like coming out of nowhere, not even in the conversation to, you know, Dre's QB1. I have him at three right now, but I, I really like everything he's done. My number one is Bryce Young, but he's not draft eligible. So I just, you know, kind of leave that to the side. I have Carson Strong. He's been my guy for two years. Mm, 3,000 yards in almost eight games, 71% completion, a big arm. There's no throw he can't make. Um, I still think he forces a few too many balls and just... He's one of those guys that hasn't quite figured out, and this is something Dre and I have already talked about. You don't necessarily have to like throw every football 100 miles an hour, and there are times he does that, and it bounces off his receiver's hands and it turns into an interception because it was just like, dude, take a little bit off. It's a you know five and out. But I don't think there's any throw he can't make. I think an NFL coach is really going to just be excited about his big play potential. Obviously, that Nevada offense is electric. They do have good receivers. I mean, Romeo Dubs and Cole Turner, absolute studs that helped his cause. But he, he can drop it in a bucket, and especially on the deep ball. So I'm sticking with my guy. Yeah, I'd have uh, Bryce Young next, but then I'd also have Carson Strong right up um, after. So in terms of draft eligible, he'd be my number two, just because he really has a plus trait. We've talked about this multiple times on this show. Uh, especially about this class that there's not, there's a lot of guys that are making noise and kind of climbing the rankings. But when you break it down and you look at the plus traits, the things that actually get players drafted, there's, it's kind of few and far between, but Carson strong, his arm uh, is one of those plus traits and the game against uh, Fresno a couple of weeks ago, they lost, I think by two points, uh, four touchdowns, one interception, 476 yards through the ball, 61 times. Uh, they the had a chance to force OT. Like he drove down the field in the last minute of that game, got the touchdown, and actually com- wasn't a completed, but he got the ball to Dubs on the two point conversion. Dubs just couldn't get his feet down. I mean, that was that was an awesome game, one of the best games of the year between him and Jay Kaner. No doubt. Yeah, the, he wins that game. We're probably talking about him. You know, if not undisputed QB one, undisputed top two. Um, so he just keeps putting it together. He's gonna. Seems like he's just going to keep on climbing the rankings. So, yeah, he's raised his stock in a major way. Um, honestly, him and Pickett were really hard for me to rank this week because I think Pickett's had the momentum for a couple weeks and strong with that game against Fresno, really kind of stole it back. Um, so they're really kind of two A and two B for me on the the QB eligible power rankings, um, and. You know, these are the power rankings, so we're more like, where's the stock out? Who's rising? Who's falling? This isn't necessarily how I would rank them if I were to draft them right now today. Um, and then full disclosure, I would have Caleb Williams and Bryce Young as my non-eligible number ones and number two uh, in that order. But, you know, it's just as an exercise for thinking ahead of what's coming down the pipe and who maybe the next like sure thing would be. I will say this though, as I rank them Armstrong Pickett strong right now with my guy Malik Willis, 
still putting up some really impressive throws, but not as consistent as you'd like as the competition has uh, leveled out a little bit. This is an interesting class, and I have been thinking about this more. Um, Bill Simmons had a theory. Uh, John Hamm's kind of a friend of his, the actor who, of course, broke out in Mad Men, hit TV show. John Hamm, unlike a lot of actors, kind of made it big in his early to mid-30s. So, you know, he'd already lived a good portion of his life as a normal person, just having to work like everyone else. Um, Bill Simmons seemed to think that that really helped him in taking on fame. And I've been looking at these quarterbacks lately that have been coming up. And the guys who were the five stars anointed the next great thing, mixed bag. The guy who maybe was a walk-on or a three-star had to transfer, had to work his way up, and, you know, kind of found their fame a little more gradually where by their sophomore year, they were big guy on campus, but they weren't like some major national figure or anything or like a Heisman finalist. And then like the draft hype picks up. But, you know, I think of guys like Baker. I think of guys like Josh Allen. I think of guys like Justin Herbert. Um, Joe Burrow certainly fits that mold. The guys who are working out a little more, you know, Lamar's kind of an exception in some ways, a little more grounded, able to come up more gradually. And a class like this with guys like Armstrong, with guys like Pickett, with guys like Strong, with guys like Willis, I know they're not the most exciting. I know it doesn't feel like any of these dudes are a sure thing. If we think about it from that perspective, maybe they'll have a little more ability to come up gradually. Um, I love that. I just wanted to throw that out there. Josh Allen had one D1 offer coming out of Juco. Mm. One. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. seems like it's, you know, the Trevor Lawrence's and Justin Fields's of the world are more sort of outliers in terms of that than, you know, your Burroughs and all those other guys. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I want right. to I want to get into our top ten prospects, and this was kind of a subjective way to do it. You know, I I did put together like a top ten overall where I have it. Just I think the top ten players in college football so far. But then I also put together one for a Broncos list, so I'm excited to get into this with you. But first, ah, ow, oh my God, fuck! <laughs> oh no, it's a bloodbath in here. There's got to be a better way to get my dagger clean and shine safely than this. This is what I used to deal with when I cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped, for keeping my dagger slick and ready for wherever the night takes me. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement by going to manscaped.com. When you use the code DNVR, you're going to get 20% off plus free shipping. It's time to end the days of shaving your balls and having it end up looking like a horror movie. That's a very, very specific image. The folks at Manscaped have the perfect package for your package to get this done. The below the waist grooming leaders have a fourth generation performance package. Inside, you get the Lawnmower 4.0, the best trimmer on the market, a weed whacker for your ears and nose. I could use that, guys. I'm getting old. I'm starting to get nose hairs. Liquid formulations, two free gifts. Spooky season is here. Manscaped is here, and they are getting you set up with whatever you need. Again, make sure you use that code DNVR for 20% off plus free shipping. And uh, if you have children, I hope they were listening during that ad because it was it was very funny. 
Yeah, um, uh, no doubt. And for above the belt healthcare, I would say, uh, you know, as you may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty darn important. And our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental. And uh, they'll hand you over one of the best toothbrushes in the biz, a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. You can find them in Lakewood. They're big sports fans, family-owned. They have been one of our OG partners from the start. It's where I take my kiddo. Um, they're just the best, man. So uh, check them out online or call that number at Green Mountain Dental. Hook you up with a free toothbrush, too. A Sonicare, the Rolls-Royce of toothbrushes, the Manscaped 4.0 of toothbrushes. Shout out to them. Let's get into our top 10 because it's it's to a point now where we have a large enough sample size with guys. You know, people have kind of cemented themselves as legitimate first round prospects. There will obviously be some late risers, you know, throughout the combine process, uh, bowl season. You know, you might get some guys that shine in the playoff. I mean, if Mike Mayock still has a job, you know, he loves a, a guy that performs well in the playoff. Um <laughs> How did you guys do your top 10, though? Did you do it in terms of Broncos needs or did you just do it like big board style? These are the top 10 prospects right now. I kind of mixed them. I did like a Broncos wish list top 10. Yeah, I was thinking of how we did the top 10s in the offseason and I wanted to kind of regroup, restack them, reevaluate this whole class. Um and so that's how I went with my top 10. But I tell you, I mean, outside of like top six, seven, it starts to get a little trickier as well. It's it's a unique class all around. It's not just uh, an argument that you can make for kind of the college football rankings or the quarterback class. It's all together a little, a little more of a murky group than usual where, uh, you know, at least by this point in the season, you think uh, hierarchies are a little more delineated and established. Well, it's like positional value comes into play, but, you know, obviously a quarterback's really valuable, but, it's you know, how much do you value a, a guy that might be a box safety? In terms of raw athleticism, you know, he might be a top three prospect, but is he a top three prospect in terms of the impact he'll make? Like, right. it's just such a wonky process. But, Jake, I went to you first last time, so, Dre, I'm going to go to you first this time. You can start at the top, you can start at the bottom, but uh, just give us a couple of names. Yeah, I tell you, no quarterbacks in this one. Very heavy in the trenches where I have seven of my top ten. Um, and that's where we start off. The top three and bottom three are all, are all trench guys. I guess I'll start from the bottom um, where, you know, I've got, I've got the edge rush class on my mind. It's a loaded edge class. A lot of these guys that I was hyped about coming into the season – showing flashes but not the kind of dominance i would like but uh at purdue george calafitis has just been outstanding um he was a monster two years ago uh didn't play a ton a year ago and this year's really been nice against some of the top o-lines in college football year in and year out like iowa like notre dame he's just power for days um, he can play as a stand-up edge, though I see him better hand in the ground in a 4-3, so his fit in Denver 
would be intriguing. Maybe not the bendiest, like it might take a while to get around the edge, but uh, more twitched up than you'd think. So powerful, can really just dominate guys on the inside shoulder. A guy who's very reliable because of that power against the run game and would really fit, you know, like Kansas City is exactly what the doctor ordered. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's my 10th prospect. And then I'm going to go DeMarvin Leal. Similar guy, uh, plays out at the end. He's probably better suited inside and he's not going to be the bendiest or most explosive. But this dude is just like... A, a, a truck i mean you can't bring him down his lower base is so freaking strong and i think with uh with this just the need for interior pass rushers and defenders a guy like this is kind of a set and forget top 10 pick any opposing coach you hear talk about him just raves um henry's talked him up seen him live like yeah e easy easy pick here in the top 10 even though he's maybe not the sexiest I think those are two guys you have to have in, in your top 10. Um, actually, I had Karlaftis at like eight, and then I had also had Leal at nine. Um, at 10, yeah, I 10. have Ahmad Gardner, the cornerback out of Cincinnati, who I I just like his game a lot, man. He's, yeah. he's quickly... For me, him versus Stingley in terms of cornerback one is a, is a very intense debate because I like a lot of Stingley's traits a little bit better. Oh, sure. But I think Gardner is just the most complete corner. I think he's done it on the largest sample size. He's played in big games. He can tackle. There's just, you can't really go long with, wrong with him. So uh, I agree with a lot of the assessment that you had on those guys. I also have a lot of guys in the trenches at seven. I've got Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. Um, mm. I think you could maybe even put him higher. Like I, I really like his game. Yeah. He's just really explosive, and he's and he's been dominant in the biggest moments. Which, for me, like as a guy that gets after the quarterback, you want people like Hutchinson and, and Thibodeau oh, yeah. that are you know showing up in the big moments. They don't disappear. They make those big plays. They get the stops on third down. A lot of really encouraging D line talent. And mm -hmm. uh, as a Broncos fan, I think that's encouraging. Obviously, you you know yeah. you got to replace Vaughn. Who knows what the situation is going to be like with Chubb? There's a lot of dudes yeah. that can get after the quarterback, and and I would love any of them. Yeah, it's a class. If you come away with multiple guys in the trenches on the defensive side, you'd be very happy, especially with five top hundred picks. You know, maybe a more reliable guy, top ten, and then you you gamble, roll the dice on upside a little later. Who's a uh, who's who fits your bottom three top ten, Jake? So I just cut off Karlaftis um, at number 10. I put Jordan Davis, uh, the defensive tackle from Georgia, yes. just a guy He's that's been, awesome. been extremely disruptive. Um, you know, you talk about positional value. He may not be the 10th ranked player in the nation by most, um, but the guy has just been for about a year and a half, two years now, he's just Hell been yeah. otherworldly. And then um, in nine, I've got Kenyon Green, uh, the offensive lineman from Texas A&M. Um, I wouldn't call him a blue chipper yet, but he's kind of trending in that direction. Um, you know, not on Quentin Nelson's level or anything, but he's a guy that is, you know, turned in a solid season and is just well-rounded. I'd like to get an actual evaluation before I call him a blue chipper. And then at number eight, I've kind of got a, a mixed bag here. I mean, you could throw an Andrew Booth, Derek Stingley, Kyrie Elam, Gardner, just a, a corner, something that Denver needs and something that should be pretty high in their wish list. 
Yeah, crazy to think after the depth that seemed there was at the position. Green, though, yeah. you would you'd move him inside and kind of yeah, I think so. Top top interior alignment of the class. Yeah, for right now, um, I'll have to go back and look more so at the tackle reps. But just in terms of interior offensive linemen, I think he's a guy that can come in and really make a difference. So he and Drake I'll- London were just outside my top ten. I've come up. Drake London might be my wide receiver uh, one now. Just his contested catches, like that dude is a freak. Him breaking yeah. his ankle is one of the biggest like stab in the hearts I, I took over the weekend. In a weekend where I took a lot of stab in the hearts. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'll just piggyback right off of that. I had Jordan Davis at eight myself. Um, I think he will be in the mix to go to New York as a Heisman finalist, which is ub absurd for an interior defensive lineman with very limited production. But if you watch Georgia, who's one of the best defenses we've seen in the last 25 years, like absolutely hands down. I mean, he's the anchor of it all, man. He is super disruptive. He's a Dwayne Brown type talent. He's the rare nose guard. I would take really high because he can anchor that D and just be a monster. He's been, he's been otherworldly. And despite the injury, I do have Drake London at seven as my wide receiver one. Um, you, you worry about how this will hinder a bigger body being able to get in and out of cuts, but it's a fractured ankle. This should be two to three months. He should even be able to work out. I've compared him to Mike Williams before who went top 10 despite some much more serious injuries and not being able to run a 40 and stuff. For now, I'll put Drake London at seven. He would have been as high as number four or five, if not for the injury, though, for me. So, I mean, uh, I just think the kid's otherworldly, and he's he's my only offensive skill position in the top ten. He's top five for me in terms of guys that I would want on the Broncos, just like fun college football players, you know. Um, I mean, like Trey McBride's in the same conversation. Is Trey McBride a top five? player in college football no he might be the best tight end but is he a guy that i would want on denver like desperately yeah just because he'd be a ton of fun to watch no doubt no doubt 100 percent um at six i've got kyle hamilton the uh, notre dame safety you gave us seven right justin yeah i I think so Uh, like carlaptis lale card yeah and gardner those were my oh right right okay yep perfect um, yeah, I, I, I just, I love his versatility. I think he's better in coverage than he gets credit for. I love a guy that's not afraid to come down near the line of scrimmage and tackle. I don't know if Denver would use him right. Just based on the amount of the DBs they have now. But I think if you paired him with Simmons, it could work really well. He could kind of be that de facto Kareem Jackson replacement moving forward. Uh, I just really like his game. Uh, you did have Aiden Hutchinson, right? I had a, or just, you, oh, yeah. I thought you mentioned him. Um, Hamilton's so interesting, man. For me, he's a, he's a top five guy. Um, it, it's weird watching his tape because he doesn't always move fast. I've talked about this, but then, I mean, geez, he can just cover so much ground. So reliable. He doesn't overrun anything. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like he'd be better deep, so I don't know if he'd work well with Simmons, but at the same time, he has that size, he has that versatility, he's got that. Um, you know, he's a matchup eraser type of guy, so he'd be he'd be really intriguing, but I 
another of these super versatile kind of chess pieces on the back seven. And we'll see how the NFL evaluates and uses them. Yeah, I guess I can't count because I had I had Hutchinson and then so Hamilton would be five. I should have just numbered these instead of doing dots, but um yeah. Who where are um, you guys at? So for number seven for me, actually we got Nicobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia. Ooh. Um a That's guy that I mean, you name him. I mean, Roquan Smith, they've had a ton of these guys come through now that are just sideline to sideline. They play with their hair on fire, they make plays, they get turnovers. Um, he had the huge uh, pick six. Was it last week or a couple weeks ago? I think it was no, last, last week against Florida. Yep. Yeah, that just completely, I mean, it put the game away at the end of the first half. Yep. Um, those impactful plays from linebackers aren't really things you see very often. And he's a guy that I don't think I've talked about him much to this point, but he's just been going straight up for me in terms of draft stock. Um, he could be another top 10 linebacker and, you know, we talk about the Broncos, man. They're one of their weakest position groups over the last five, six years has easily been linebacker. Um, you know, well, whether you get the quarterback or not. Them. Right. Yeah, exactly. With everyone hurt. So whether you get the quarterback or not, if you get an impact player at that position, I think it's a home run. Yeah, I mean, he's come around in a major way in the last month. That interception was huge, lined up out wide on the running back and coverage. That was kind of the book on him. Like, he's got the size. He's a beast. Kind of similar to almost, um, yeah, Christian Harris of Alabama, you know? Like, God, mm -hmm. he's just, like, sculpted out of marble. But then this year, he's really been moving well in coverage, really taking advantage of those reps, and then capitalizes on that Florida game with a monster. I, I contemplated him in my top 10. He's definitely in my top 15. He just barely missed the cut. Just because, you know, you, you got to have some otherworldly high standards to be an off-ball linebacker and be top 10. But the fact that he's on, like, knocking on the door is, uh, is saying a lot. And I, I do not fault you for that ranking, Jay. He and Devin Lloyd, I think, have been the most fun linebackers to watch. We're not talking about Devin Lloyd enough. That's another top 15 talent. What he is doing, his coverage ability, incredible. And he's just stacking up the tackles for a loss. He's been otherworldly thank you for mentioning him justin because because those two guys and then you've got you know brandon smith penn state started to make some buzz we mentioned the bama kid like it seemed like kind of an anonymous off-ball linebacker class now we've got some guys with some real intrigue coming up i went charles cross at six the um left tackle for nice. mississippi state all i needed to see was the a&m tape where he really handles leal well his combination of anchor and feet on that frame is really, really impressive. I mean, a guy who's just like on balance all the time, not always the most consistent. Once in a while, he'll grab a little or he'll let a guy get under his pads. So we need to clean that up. But that's more technique hands that we can clean up. Already the strides he's made from last year to this year, very impressive. We talked about Mississippi State under the radar, really nice season. Um, Charles Cross is number six. And if he can clean some things up, we're talking about a guy who's, you know, like a hundred million dollar player um, in his career. And he's point. in pass pro a lot. Like they don't, yes, yes. Mississippi State, they can run the ball, but it, it's not downhill all the time. Like it is, you know, for Alabama and Evan Neal, who is still my offensive tackle one at this point. Yes. But, you know, like it, it is impressive to see what Mississippi State's been able to do, especially, I mean, I know it's the SEC, but... You know, you got to assume that most years they're not 
out recruiting in the trenches, Georgia, Bama, LSU, and and they're holding their own. Like they're they're a team that I wouldn't want to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of um, watching Cross and feeling like, man, if they put them in, they moved them, got them on a pole, got them run black in a, out in space, we'd see even a little. Let them also do a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say 169 total rushing attempts for Mississippi State. That includes sacks, right? Because those are counted as rushing attempts in college football. So any concerns about the run blocking that you've seen so far, Dre? Or is it just kind of wait and see still? Yeah, it's going to be wait and see. I do think he does a pretty decent job, though. I mean, he's got the hips, the kind of churn power right off the snap. Uh, he He moves pretty well in space. And um, he's not one of these guys who'll kind of lose guys when he gets to the second. I mean, he's re- he's really like fine-tuned on balance. It's just the like when guys get get around him on the edge, he you know, once in a while he'll stop his feet and start grabbing. And he just needs to keep that going because he's got the feet, he's got the balance. It's incredible. I want to sound a little wanna, like uh, Andre Dillard. Another yeah, yeah, a little nature. bit. A little bit. That's actually a great comp. I I I want to see his arm length. Again, Dillard, I think, was yeah. just under 34. Um, but, you know, I mean, we check off a couple of those boxes. He's really an impressive talent. Who you got next, you. What were you going to say? Oh, okay, I'll go. Um, I'm going to start with the quarterbacks now at this point. Um, this would probably be more reflective of my actual ranking. I'd probably have Matt Corral at number three. Um, kind of mm-hmm. taking a little dip of recently, although he has really shown his dual threat ability also in that same amount of time. Um, and that's, it's kind of, you know, pushing and pulling at the same time because I want to move him up because of that dual threat ability. Uh, but the game against Auburn kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Just really oh, wasn't yeah. impactful at all. Um, really hasn't done much. I think since that Tennessee game, I think, I don't think he played well mm-hmm. against LSU either. Um, huge matchup coming up against Liberty though. You get Malik Willis versus, uh, Matt Crow. That's a great. Phenomenal matchup. Yeah. It's the, uh, Hugh freeze revenge game, right? Yeah, that's I right. Mean, not, not that that <laughs> context. Man much, yeah, yeah, context. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, let's get into these top five since Jake jumped up at three. Um, I, I just put Stingley ahead across again. Like Stingley, you go off that freshman tape. He's a top two talent in this class. Very disappointing that he just isn't cleaning it up consistency wise. And you know, Coach O leaving. He hasn't played every game. We're going to keep him at five for now, but each. And then we talked about Kyle Hamilton. He's at three. He's at four for me. Um, and Aiden Hutchinson, who we've mentioned already. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've talked up for like a couple years now. Also, shout out to David Ojabo, another edge. We got to start keeping an eye on. He yeah. kind of took over the show um, for, for the Wolverines against Sparty there. So that was exciting. But there you go, uh, I got you to three, Justin, get us to three and we can then debate these top twos. Yeah, I got Malik Willis at five. Uh, Mm. Again, I know he hasn't done it. I'm kind of similar, like Matt Corral territory with Malik Willis. Like I I really want to put him higher. I think he's one of the players I enjoy watching the most. And I think his his up traits are are there. It's just the lack of consistency that, that concerns me. Yeah. Hasn't exactly balled out against pretty subpar talent, but I, I do think this weekend is big for him. Like if he can go out, you know, and, and really play well against an SEC team. I know Ole Miss's defense is nothing to brag about, but it's still an SEC team. Maybe upset them. Like Ole Miss definitely looks beatable at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think that's really going to help him. At four, I got Derek Stingley again. Um, 
need to see more consistency there. As a team, I think I'd almost rather draft Ahmad Gardner because I think you could take him lower. And I just think there's maybe less risk there. But I also think the upside is higher for Stingley, so that that's tough. Mm -hmm. And at a three, I got Evan Neal, the tackle from Alabama. Yeah, okay. I didn't get to um, three yet. So I I also have uh, Kenny Pickett and then Willis. Um, I put Willis as quarterback one just because I think that, you know, when you're designing an offense, Fence and someone like the Broncos, who is really in like transition here and are really looking at, you know, a new reign, a new uh, GM from last year, probably looking at a new coach and just completely new system this coming year. I think he's the hardest quarterback to defend in college football right now, just because of that dual threat ability. He's got the rocket arm. Um, you know, I mentioned he kind of has a bit of that power aspect in the run game, too. I don't yes. expect that to be something that is relied on in the NFL, but it's just something to note. Um, that, you know, you can safely run this guy, I think, five times a game and get away with it. Um, Him and Javante together in the same backfield? Yeah. uh, Judy on the outside, man. I mean, I think you really make yourself hard to defend if you have Malik Willis. And I like that you said, I think at the end of the day, his traits tick up just a smidge more than any of the other guys in this class. I mean, it's exactly what you just said. And that's where the Corral versus Willis discussion gets interesting. Because, yeah, I think he just ticks up a little more. And Willis, I trust more to, like, make a play and make a, like, tough throw on the move than Corral, who I think maybe can be more consistent in, like, delivering the ball on time, first and second read, and keeping your offense taking in. And first and second read aren't there, bailing. And, like, he's got he's got the legs. I just need to see him run to throw, not run to run, which, whatever. Right. Um, and I, you know, you run to run with that smaller friend. Like, none of these dudes are really big. Yeah, you're going to get mm-hmm. killed if you play that way in the NFL. Even Strong's got the length, but then he's got, like, no muscle in his lower body. I don't understand with him squats, how they bro. haven't got him in the weight room a little bit more these last For couple real? years. Because, yeah, it's not having, like, especially having been around him when he's just wearing a polo shirt and, like, sweats and, you know, sitting next to him and talking to him. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, uh, clearly, he's a better athlete than me. This is, you know, tongue in cheek. Yeah, of but course. you know, I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could go toe to toe with you in most workouts. <laughs> like, you don't necessarily look like the most explosive dude in the world. Obviously, his his arm talent is great, and I, th- this is more like Broncos wish list, not necessarily big board. I put Carson Strong at number two because him and Malik Willis are the quarterbacks I like the most. Those are the quarterbacks I would most love to see in Denver. Um, on my actual big board, I'd had Evan Neal as two, but I don't know. I had him as three for my Broncos wish list. Um, number one, Kayvon Thibodeau. Like I, it just feels too easy, but he's been the most individually disruptive player in college football this year. I think on a week to week basis, other than maybe some of those Georgia guys. Um, again, I love Devin Lloyd as well, but. I, I just I don't know how you pass on a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau if the opportunity is there. Yeah, um, he would have been my number one. I just didn't put him on the list because I don't think he, he's yeah, going to he be, be there, there at all for the Broncos. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you never know. I've seen crazier things, but yeah, he probably goes top three at the very least. Um, and for me, honestly, Thibodeau, Evan Neal, those are kind of like the prized blue chippers. 
of this class who I can really put that label on. And if somehow, some way the Broncos were able to get one of those guys, I'd really feel good about the kind of uh, building block you have in the trenches to kind of move forward as a franchise. Because Neil, I think, could really take care of that disastrous right tackle spot forever. He's an absolute mauler. I mean, he... Oof. He gener- I think he's he more natural at right tackle, too. Like, he's been he great is. this year. He is. But he is. I think at right tackle, he's able to just kind of course go forward a little bit more. And just, you know, I'm just bigger than you, and I'm well, going to kick your ass. And you you want to run behind that guy more than not. So having exactly. him on the yeah. strong side where we can do that. Um, it's also, in, I didn't mention this about Armstrong, but since we're getting into left tackle, right tackle, he's the rare lefty quarterback. So that's worth mentioning. Um, and yeah. Is that a problem for you? For me, it isn't, no. I, I actually Either. prefer it because it forces you to game plan a little differently, you know, one or two times a year when you face me. I, yeah. I've always you thought gotta it was a be weird comfortable like, with yeah. throwing your opponent off more so than you are right. uncomfortable with not being conventional. That that's my thing. But to me, you should use unconventional to your advantage and not as a hindrance. But I mean, and then, for the most th- part, you just hit right trigger, flip the whole playbook, move your best tackle to the right side, and there you go. <laughs> exactly. It's that easy. It's that easy, Jake. So I, yeah. I just don't know why these coaches can't figure this shit out. Um, but the ball oh, yeah, spins a different go. way, Dre. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, Thibodeau, there you go. Uh, yeah. It'd be great. I had Neil and Hutchinson at two and one um, just because I think that those guys would theoretically be more in play than Thibodeau. Mm -hmm. Just Mm -hmm. man, unless the season just bottoms out for the Broncos, I just, there's no way they're getting cave on Thibodeau. I don't think. And then, right. I mean, even Aiden Hutchinson or Evan Neal at this point, these guys are going to be top five picks, but if they were in the blue and orange, man, it'd be incredible. It's all going to depend on the quarterback situation, right? Like who ends up having to take a QB and how early does the QB go? Cause there's going to be at least one top five quarterback. Yes. Yes, yeah, I, I believe so. so. Yeah. And maybe two, depending on how desperate people oh, are. Totally. Totally. So I, I like, think in the top 15, we might even see like four. Um, you know, like top 15, top 20, I wouldn't be surprised to see four or five. Shoot. Especially um, like once these other guys are off the board, you know, Hutchinson and the corners and, you know, some of these guys right. on the edge, if you're picking at 12 and Matt like, Corral's there, like, hell yeah, go for it. Yeah, like once we get out of my top four, it's like stingly if you have the need and you believe, like, you know, you believe in the upside. Okay, but it starts to be an argument if like quarterbacks a much bigger need. Drake London with the injury, Jordan Davis, like you're not taking a nose guard over a quarterback no matter what your grade discrepancy is. Um, So, no, I'm with you. And I mean, on my power rankings, Armstrong, Pickett, Strong, Willis, Corral, Ritter. All six are in that top 50 mix. And, you know, 18th pick versus like the 35th. What's what's the difference in a class like this? That's so yeah. wide open. I will say this kind of final thing. Um, as we did this exercise of top 10 and, you know, even based off our last pod where we talked a lot about coaching options, does feel like this defensive line class would allow for more options if you were to switch to a four-man front than to stick to a three-four. I'd yeah, like I to see, see it too. Just Guys like Harloftis and Hutchinson yeah, seem exactly. pretty versatile, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, then as you get later, you do have more outside linebacker, stand-up edge, kind of same difference type of, type of options. But those top guys, you probably mm-hmm. prefer most of them hand in the ground. Yeah, for sure. Drake Jackson, too. Right. Before we go, just because I haven't asked you guys in a couple weeks, Trey McBride is going to be a top 50 pick, right? Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah, I think 50, so, like that yeah. doesn't feel I, he might slip out of the first round. Yeah. But top 50. 100%. Yeah, it's a it's an intriguing tight end class, but um I mean, we've shown the trait in a tight end that the NFL cares about more is being able to catch the ball and he does that better than anyone. Yeah, be an impact player in the passing game and no one's like Trey. Also, as far as like receiving tight ends go, I don't hate his blocking. No, it's he not like perfect, guys. but he he it's intense. He co- he goes at it with effort, yeah. which is something that I can work with as a coach. Exactly. There's enough effort and will to where we can we can refine the technique and put you in situations where you maybe aren't an asset as a blocker, but you're not uh, Noah Fant or Evan Ingram, where you're—he's not shying away from any contact. He's not going to whiff on a guy. Well, like he might hook some holding calls, but. Right. Yeah, and that's right. fine. Tight ends are going to get holding calls yeah. in the run game. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, really, his only competition is Watermeyer. I yes. mean, I don't think anyone has even come up. I mean, I know a lot of people have been slow to react to Trey McBride, but even Draft Network, they had him in like the 200s. He's up to 142 now. He'll get up to that, at least where Watermeyer is in that range. Yeah, he's the top 50 guy for sure. Makes me feel good. Still, still excited for something, CSU. I'm, we got a border war this weekend, so we'll see. Trey, Trey kills them historically. But There you go. Check out Justin's stuff, Jake's Film Rooms, my podcast, ddmbr.com, all the great stuff. Hank's Become a member, too. Content. Become a member. Support the squad. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back later this week with some more, more Bronco-specific mock draft stuff, more on this exciting but still lots to unpack with this 2022 draft class. Thanks for tuning in, guys.